Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. For the past 20 years, you've enjoyed the refreshing tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. So in celebration of this milestone, we're bringing Baja Blast in stores nationwide. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. 2024 is the year of Baja Blast. In stores now. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 18 plus. Subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com and 61524. Void where prohibited. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring, boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, natural segue. So how do you end up with the White Sox? I hadn't talked to you, um, and uh, and I'm and I'm super happy. Like I'm super happy for you um, that I know that, that your family has some history there, and and no, I get to know some of the people there um, through uh, Godfather Joe Kelly when he was his time was there. So I, I'm just happy that you landed there. That another uh, familiar, friendly face uh, with with the White Sox. But how did you end up there? No, I appreciate that. And I did grow up in, in on the South side. So my dad pitched there starting in 1983 through 1987 was on some pretty famous teams, the winning ugly 1983 team. Uh, so he's got a lot of history in the town and I spent my childhood summers in Chicago, uh, Southwest of the city and, and growing up in the old Comiskey park right across the street from the current guaranteed rate field. Uh, so I definitely had personal history there. Um, when Chris gets my teammate with the Royals got the GM job in September w- when they removed, uh, Rick Hahn, uh, he just reached out. He said, I, Hey, I was going to call, uh, after the season's over, like everybody else does, but he called and asked for permission and, and the giants granted it. I was in the last year of my contract with the giants. Uh, so I started that interview process. Um, and then, you know, Gene Watson, who had been the scout that had traded for me with the Royals from the Mets. Uh, back in 2007, it's how I got to Kansas City. Uh, he's the pro scouting director. Uh, Ethan Katz, the pitching coach. Uh, I worked alongside him in San Francisco as one of the pitching coaches in 2020. Uh, Tony LaRusso was still there. He had battled cancer over the last year. Uh, but he lives a mile down the road from me in my hometown here in California. And I had worked alongside him in Boston when we won the World Series in 2018. So I just looked at the whole situation. I was like, I already know everybody. Um, it was kind of like a homecoming and they were willing to work with my schedule. 
Uh, my daughter's in high school, so they, you know, I, I flip from a coach moniker to an advisor moniker. And so being able to work alongside Chris Getz in the GM role and kind of help set the direction of the organization after 101 losses, it's, it's always my belief you want to go into an organization after a really bad season uh, because you can only go up from there. And a lot of times it's really uh, kind of a fertile soil to, to come up with new ideas and get rid of the, the echo chamber and group think that it existed previously. And I think we're just open to a lot of new ideas. I went to Boston in 2014 uh, after that season was a bad season. I went to San Francisco after bad season. It's just a great place to get in at the ground floor and start to share new ideas and, and really get out in front of uh, the rest of the league and some new processes. And I think uh, the fans in Chicago are going to see a whole new brand of baseball from the White Sox. So the, it's already started, you know, you made a trade and, you know, behind the curtain, we were talking about doing the podcast and said, oh, well, could we postpone it? There might be a, something going on, which which I find fascinating, right? I not only... I didn't say anything. I didn't utter, hey, White Sox, I get something. No, no, we have lips are sealed. But um, but now I'm now I'm curious because you got back from the Braves. This is the Aaron Bomber trade. You got back from the Braves, a, a few pitchers, a few really, really intriguing pitchers. So I guess if we're going to dive into this, if we could just about about, first of all, what what do you do in that situation? What do you do in that circumstance? And then I want to sort of get into what you see um, in in these guys that you got back because that's a huge, huge part of this day and age of baseball. And, and I, we just saw like these guys who were going to maybe be non-tendered flip for a reliever. Um, the Red Sox just did it. Uh, so, but they see something in them. And same thing with the this trade. Anyway, first off, how? What was your, what do you do during that time? Yeah. So, you know, a little peek behind the curtain. Um, we, we were potentially going to do this, this podcast. And then, you know, that started happening. Uh, Alex Anthopoulos is great. He's extremely aggressive. Uh, he wheels and deals. And, um, you know, I think, I think Chris gets as a first year GM is getting used to the, the personalities and the negotiating style of, of all the GMs in the league. So, uh, you know, we, we get hit up with an offer from Anthopolis and, uh, you know, there's players on the table. Uh, we get together, we discuss the pros and cons, the different scenarios. Uh, when you have players of high value, typically top of the rotation starters, leverage relievers, everyday position players, uh, other teams are interested, especially when there's control involved. Um, so a lot of teams were interested in bummer. Um, and, you know, Anthopolis threw a, a combination of players at us with, um, you know, existing major league productions. You know, Soroka several years ago was one of the best pitchers in the league. Uh, he's a sinker baller, something that uh, I have a lot of familiar, familiarity with and have been very successful with the Logan Webbs, Alex Cobbs of the world, Rick Porcello. Um, so that style I'm very confident in. Uh, it's, it's really a bet on the bounce back and his health and production. Uh, Schuster is a former first rounder, uh, you know, more bottom end of the rotation, uh, but uh, uh, with ability to go out there and throw innings, which the Chicago White Sox need in 2024. Um, and then, you know, two position players uh, with with upgraded defense, something that Chris gets uh, is really looking for. Um, and then we were able to kind of dig a little bit and and get another pitcher thrown into the trade. 
uh, with with upside. And so it's your it's your classic five for one for a reliever. And uh, I, I think you know there, there's other things in the works, obviously on the Brave side of things, because they're trying to clear space off their forty man roster. Uh, and we looked at it as a way to uh, move the needle in the right direction from a wins perspective in 2024 while not uh, blocking anybody that would help us in 2025 and beyond. Uh, so you're really looking for upside with the position we're in in the standings uh, where we can build a team that can can win consistently from 2025 and beyond coming off of a 101 loss season. But uh, we wanted good players with good makeup, good defense. Uh, we need to rebuild trust with pitchers around the league and agents that we can put a good defensive team on the field that can execute. Uh, we're, you know, we're looking for a good catcher behind the plate that can lead a staff. Um, and so really just upgrading every aspect of the Chicago White Sox. And that, that trade was pretty unique in the quantity of players involved. Uh, but it checked a lot of boxes for 2024 while still allowing us to shoot for ceiling in 2025 and beyond. That's interesting. You mentioned about regaining the trust of because you know, like anytime you obviously get into free agency, you have to sell the sales job. I said that to Craig Breslow. He's he didn't like that term, but we'll get past it. Um, but but you know, you have to convince and people. I don't think people think about that where the pitcher has to look good. It's sort of like a quarterback. You know, what receivers do you have? What offensive line do you have? Um, so when you go into this, when you go to this offseason, you're coming in from a mainly as a pitcher perspective, but that's but that's the whole package, right? I mean, that's probably a big when you sat down with Chris, said, okay, you know, we got to rebuild this pitching, we got to get pitchers, but in order to do this, we need the whole ball of wax, right? Yeah, you know, your pitching staff's dependent on your catcher. He's your game calling, your sequencing, your framing until we eventually get to the automatic zone. Uh, your defense is just uh, converting balls and play and outs. Uh, so you can come in as a pretty good pitcher. You know, there are a lot of comments thrown out uh, on the pitchers who left the White Sox uh, in the second half of last year that were not positive, not favorable. And and this new front office de- is determined to uh, change that culture and change that perception. So you have to get the catcher right. You got to get the defense right. You got to get the game calling right. Uh, and then you can bring in pitchers that are confident that, the coaches are knowledgeable. They have the experience and the credibility to continue to make them play better from a player development perspective. Uh, but if you're weak in any of those areas, that is really uh, run prevention. And under that umbrella, uh, your your pitchers are going to underperform, and it's going to affect their their salaries and uh, their production. And so they're very sensitive to that. And the agents are very aware. Uh, so you got to fix all of it, and and that's what we're determined to do. And when you were throwing around the names, all I can think of is the scene in Moneyball, Brian. is like, and what's a, who, who do we, let's get one more. Who do we got? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Get him. Get him. Uh, so I don't know if that's what you were like, but you have some intriguing guys. You mentioned them, right? The, and so if you can just maybe with Sirocco or, or any of these other guys, anything that sort of for you, you know the in behind the curtain, behind the curtain, inside the like. This is what I really like about this guy that maybe we can tap into. Give me something from any of these guys that for you you're most excited about. Yeah, I think uh, you know with Soraka, uh he has the capability, and we talked about it a little bit in the past. You know, to kind of get into that unique ball physics where the seams on the baseball, you know, a la. Greg Maddox or Tom Glavin back in the day, but 
uh, more like Brandon Webb, Logan Webb, Kyle Hendricks. Uh, he's got that capability, and uh, it's something I like tapping into. It's one of my favorite aspects of pitching where you get later and better movement on the ball. Uh, only certain pitchers are capable of doing it, so you have to both identify that from a scouting analytical perspective, but you have to go in and make sure the pitcher understands it and that you coach him up where not only can you create the effect, but you have to be able to maintain it throughout the duration of a season because pitchers go in and out of calibration uh, just like your car alignment does. It starts drifting the left, it starts drifting the right, and you have to keep it calibrated. Uh, otherwise, that little seam that's on the edge of the baseball that creates all that awesome late movement, uh, it gets out of whack and all of a sudden it doesn't happen and they become very hittable. Uh, so Rick Porcello did that in 2016. Uh, the next year goes out and loses se- uh, 17 games. That's exactly what happened. Uh, we just lost that little seam on the baseball and we didn't have the technology back then to really understand what was happening. Uh, so for me, it was trial by fire. I was like, what is going on? But I started to get good at sinkers uh, working alongside Rick going from Cy Young to tough year back to very productive year in 2018. And so I, I had all these uh, very beneficial experiences in dealing with an elite sinker baller. And I was able to carry that into San Francisco and turn us in, help turn us into the top ground ball percentage staff in the league, along with the lowest walk rate staff. Uh, so we were fearless in pounding the zone because we knew we were getting that late movement and generating those ground balls. Uh, so you're just looking when you acquire people, you know, is this a guy capable of doing something like that? Um, when you're not talking about a, a four-seam power pitcher like a DeGrom or a Strider where it looks like they just blow away everyone with ease, you're looking for a guy that gets under barrels, keeps the ball on the ground. And to take advantage of that, you got to have the catcher that understands it. you got to have the defense that can field those ground balls. Is the same thing with Schuster? The same sort of what you want to dig in with him? You know, he's got a great changeup, and I think you're trying to leverage the changeup while – uh, not giving up fastball damage. Uh, he's not a big spin guy. Uh, so you're looking to strategically cut the ball, shape the ball uh, w- when hitters are least expecting it while also playing that north-south, hard-soft dynamic. Um, so he's, he's a different genre of pitcher for me, but uh, a lot of nice upside. There's a reason he was a first-rounder. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with him.